Today, the world is demanding more of products and packaging. Consumers want more variety. Governments are demanding sustainability. And supply chains, they're more complex than ever before. Simply put, companies that make things need to respond faster than ever to change. Welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast. I'm Laura Fodi, and I'll be your host. Since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated by how things are made. And at Specrite, I get to work with product and packaging leaders to help them spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. We'll interview experts and industry leaders across food and beverage, beauty, consumer goods, and industrials and manufacturing. We're going to go beyond the shelf and get a behind the scenes look into the things you use every day and even the ones you don't. Where do the best ideas come from? How are leaders making sustainability goals a reality? What trends are here to stay? And what's just a passing fad? We're going to ask our guests all this and more. So be sure to subscribe and get ready to go Beyond the Shelf. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast, where we interview the people behind the amazing products we use every day. I'm Laura Fodi, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with Mary Claire Mannard, whose company, Cluey Consumer, is giving us even greater insights into the products we use every day. Mary Claire is a former corporate researcher, journalist, and the current CEO and founder of Cluey Consumer, an online platform that rates brands based on the three Ps, their impact on people, the planet, and politics. She started Cluey Consumer out of her personal frustration with the inconvenience and difficulty of aligning her consumer behavior with personal values, something I think we can all relate to. Through Cluey, consumers are empowered to make a greater impact through their everyday purchases, through the use of a searchable database showcasing thousands of brands' social, environmental, and political impacts. Consumers can then compare brands and buy according to what they value most. Mary Claire, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited because I keep hearing about the term conscious consumer lately. We just had Jay Singh on, who's the head of uh, the packaging program at Cal Poly, and he mentioned it. And as soon as he did, I started hearing it pop up over and over again. And then we got connected. Uh, so I'm so thrilled to have you dive into this and tell us you know, why it matters so much for brands today. But before we do that, would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you founded Cluey Consumer. Sure. Um, you know, you you kind of touched on it in the intro there, um, but my background for my entire career has been in finding credible information sources. Um, you know, I span two different, very, very different jobs, um, journalism and then more corporate inv investment focused primary research, but both ultimately hinder on the need to find reliable information and really know where the source of your information is coming from. So with that skill set, I chose to apply that to a personal frustration that I was having, which was that I was becoming more and more discerning of where I was spending my money and that I knew the outsized impact that corporations have on our world. And I wanted to ensure that where I was spending my money was aligning with the world I wanted to live in and the world I wanted you know, future generations to live in as well. But the problem became that I kept coming up against time and time again was that there was no one centralized or reliable place to find the information on the impact that brands have in terms of 
how they're operating um, with various stakeholders in mind, such as their uh, social stakeholders and environmental stakeholders. And so uh, recognizing that there was a huge gap in the market, I knew that I had the skill set to go out and find the credible information to create a space for that solution, to create Cluey ultimately. And so that's what we did. And like I said, it was primarily to provide a solution for something I was looking for. And I think oftentimes when you are your own target market, that allows you to really succeed in what you're building, hopefully. I totally agree. You know, it's funny, as you talk about the problem and your mission, it resonates with what we're doing at Spec, right? You're like, there wasn't a single source of truth where you could go and and find all the data you would need to make an answer, uh, you know, or make an informed decision. And for us, we're helping brands manage their own data for all their products and packaging and have that similar experience of being able to trust, being able to validate and ultimately be, uh, being able to make informed decisions. And this is what I love most about the intersection of the physical and digital world, right? I mean, we've been making products for hundreds of years. And just now are we seeing companies like Specrite and Cluey really bring all the power of digital to help people not only make products, but buy them better. You know, one thing that I'd, I'd love to ask is, you know, I know you talk about the three P's, but how really are you helping brands measure the impact or how are you measuring the impact of brands a little bit in more detail? Sure. So, you know, the first step was figuring out where does the best quality information currently exist. So I think, you know, you mentioned it when you said we're seeing the intersection of the digital and physical world. Never really before has there been the level of technology available today to track some of this information. And so um, it's certainly an opportunity that's opening up now that I would say probably wasn't possible 10 years ago. But what we're seeing, though, is the rise of certain uh, various measurement uh, standards such as ESG reporting, other impact assessment tools like the B Corp movement, and so many other things uh, that are now going online um, for for anybody really to capture things like uh, government data, you know, OSHA and EPA fines, other types of data that are now all being, you know, put up on the World Wide Web. So the ability first to identify what the best in class sources are, you know, we spoke to experts in the space and we understood what they look at when helping organizations try and improve their practices, what sources they look at. So we found those sources, then we aggregated them and then translated them into what we saw as being a digestible for the everyday person format. Um, you know, right now, a lot of this stuff, uh, whether it's ESG reporting or any of these other assessment tools or fines or anything, any of these other data sources that you would look at might not really make sense to you as the everyday person. And quite frankly, at first, when I was starting to dirt, you know, get my hands dirty with this information, it didn't exactly make sense to me either. And so, you know, we spoke with these sources, we really got a good grasp and understanding of uh, what it meant. And then, like I said, we translated it to a more layman's, you know, A through F impact rating for our people in planet scores. Everyone, at least in the U.S., is probably familiar with the letter grade system of uh, early education through through uh, collegiate education. So that hopefully is a little bit more uh, digestible and palatable to the everyday person. Well, you hit a nerve with me because I, I did use use Cluey before our conversation. And number one, I found it so easy to use. So I would highly encourage everyone listening to go sign up for an account. Essentially, you can go through and add the brands and the companies that you use. So for example, I added Method Soap, I added Starbucks, I added 
you know, Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, you know, a lot of the brands that I'm using. And then it literally will give you an updated aggregate score and an individual score of all the brands. And what was interesting is it kind of is gamified a little bit, right? Because I'm someone, you know, not shockingly, I want to have all A's, right? And uh, when I started, I was like a D minus with a few products. And I'm like, I better keep adding to see what cumulative impact I'm having on the planet and people and and, and so forth. And I right now I'm at about a B minus, nice. uh, which I'm still I'm still not thrilled about it. But I th- I just think it's so interesting. And I can see like my people impact, I'm actually at like a C plus, my planet impact, I'm at a B minus, and then I can see my political impact. Um, and so one thing, you know, that I think is really interesting is you're capturing these values about me. I imagine you're also capturing these about thousands of other people. What are some insights of uh, the trends that you're seeing in, in the platform? Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's a really unique part of Cluey is that we want this to feel like a very personalized experience because um, part of part of this journey for me was recognizing that I had a unique set of values. My closest friends had a unique set of values. Of course, we were maybe like-minded in plenty of ways, but there are also differences. And, um, you know, I'm from Louisiana, but I grew up or I started my career in New York and San Francisco. So I've definitely seen the broad uh, breadth of values that your everyday American can have um, being in very different regions of the country with different concerns um, and different priorities. So with that in mind, um, we wanted everyone to feel like they had a place to, you know, share what those values are. Of course, we have a majority target demographic of individuals who really love this product. But at the same time, Cluey is really for everyone. We want to be accessible to everyone regardless of, you know, what they care about. But the thing that I find particularly interesting, because we also as I mentioned, capture political impacts and therefore capture political values is that there's actually a lot of common ground between people of differing political values who might share um, uh, importance on things like cruelty-free products or animal welfare um, or, you know, simply wanting uh, better outcomes for the environment. So I think it has the opportunity in a way to start a lot of interesting conversations across a wide breadth of individuals who care about buying, buying with purpose. I think that's fascinating, Mary Claire, especially, you know, we're both in technology and, you know, I've watched the social dilemma, which talks about how the rise of many online platforms have actually led to more polarization and division. And I think what you're doing with Cluey and the fact that we do have so many core values, especially as Americans that align, I think that's really powerful. We often forget that, you know, you mentioned, you know, animal cruelty, you know, what, what potential does Cluey have and, and us kind of speaking our values, how can that then affect change on brands? Yeah. So I think that currently there is a, well, currently before, I guess I should say before Cluey, there was a real disconnect with brands wanting to be more active and consumers wanting brands to be more active, but then brands having a way the pros and cons of being more active on or taking a stance on particular issues. Um, it's, it's no, you know, I would, I would say that you'd be having to live under a rock if you've, you know, not picked up on the fact that corporations have been speaking out more on various issues that in, you know, 40 years ago, corporations would have never spoken out about. Um, but something is without a doubt clear is that more and more consumers today, regardless of how they, you know, different in their opinions, want, con- want corporations to solve society's problems. 
We saw that with COVID-19. We saw that with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. Um, we even saw with the uh, 2020 elections, presidential elections. So regardless of the topic, consumers are now expecting corporations to speak out more. And the thing about what we hope that we can provide is giving actual real data behind where that companies target consumer sits. Um, and some companies have a really good sense on that and some and others don't. And we feel like we can provide actionable data to where they can focus on the things that really matter to their uh, target demographic uh, of, of customers and consumers. So um, that's one way that we feel like that's possible. And consumers have the ability to react to brands on our platform. They have the ability to swap brands out of their households. Um, we even have a very personalized email newsletter that goes out to each individual that's personalized based on their values where we make recommendations of brands that they could try as well as brands they can avoid based on their values. And we ask for feedback on if they've in fact made a switch based on our uh, based on our recommendations. And in our latest cohort, 58% of our users have in fact made a swap to a product in their home different from a product they previously had because of the information learned from Cluey. So I think once we can really continue to grow our user base, gather that quality information and share that with brands, hopefully that can allow them to be more strategic in how they can pick the most impactful areas to where they can make a difference. A good example of that really quickly is thinking about how companies do different operations. So a lot of the companies you work with make physical products. Physical products obviously have environmental impacts and um, you know have the potential to have much larger social impacts as it relates to supply chains. Uh, think about Facebook, though, for example, or social media platforms. They're not going to have necessarily the same level of an environmental footprint. But what they do have is they have these huge social impacts as it relates to uh, consumer data and privacy, um, misinformation, disinformation. And so being able to understand what Facebook's target user really cares about, if it's misinformation and disinformation, then they would probably spend a lot more time prioritizing that and actually getting it right for their target users. So that's hopefully the the anticipation or goal that we're going for. It's so interesting you bring up um, that people are putting a lot of faith in in companies to solve big problems, especially related to, to people, uh, profit, and planet. As our our friend uh, Jan Tharp, the CEO of Bumblebee Seafood, talked about, it reminded me of the most recent uh, Edelman Trust Barometer. So Edelman's a, one of the leading public relations firms in the country. Every year they come out with a report that talks about um, trust and, and trends. I'd encourage everyone to listen to it. And this year, so 2022, it re- revealed that we have even greater expectations of businesses to lead as government trust continues to spiral. And so I think your point about you know, us as consumers, we really are looking to brands to lead because they can be more nimble and they impact us every day and we have trust that they can make changes that align with our values if we speak out. And so to me, you know, as a business leader, I know for you as well, it, it really, it goes beyond just making a great product. It, it goes to having a responsibility to the consumers that we serve, which I think is really interesting. Absolutely. You know, you, you, you built Cluey in New Orleans. You talked about being from there originally. Uh, that's not a traditional tech hub. You know, when we talk about tech hubs, we think about San Francisco, Boston, Austin, you know, at Specrite, we're not in a tech hub either. We, we chose to be in uh, Southern California. Why was that really important to you? Um, I'm glad you brought that up. So uh, it's not a 
big known tech hub yet, but I definitely believe that it's on its way. Um, in the last year, uh, New Orleans has seen the largest amount of uh, value coming out of startup exits in the region, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, so I c can't take an ounce of credit for all the work that's been happening there for the last decade to get us to the point that it's at now. But I'm so excited to be jumping on the train or the bandwagon at this stage um, because I really do think the future is bright for uh, New Orleans. And look, I I love where I'm from. I love my city. I love my state. If you met anyone who knew me personally, that would probably be one of the first identifying things that they would tell you about me is that I have such an allegiance and, and loyalty to where I'm from. And I think a lot of people um, you know, feel that way about some of the communities that they grew up in. And so to have the opportunity to help build the entrepreneurial ecosystem in a place that's not San Francisco or Silicon Valley, I feel like really uh, adds a second motivator for me to not only be building something I personally be believe in, but to be building it in a place that I believe in as well. Um, so I highly encourage anyone who's looking to start a business to not write off the Gulf Coast region. A lot is happening there. And, you know, if you ever wanted to chat about it, I'd be happy to uh, make some connections for anyone considering it. But definitely exciting to see what's coming up in the you know future years for New Orleans as a region. And I know there's other burgeoning new uh, second cities, so to speak, that are experiencing similar renaissances of sorts. I think that's awesome. I think I told you I have a lot of friends in Baton Rouge. Shout out to my friends at 368. Uh, there's so much entrepreneurial spirit. And to your point earlier, I think it's so important as technologists that we're building products in different areas so we can bring different perspectives. I really think that will improve, you know, the, the digital products that we use every day. You know, one thing that you mentioned, you talked about founding it in, in New Orleans and you talked about being very purposeful. You've been really transparent about how Cluey makes money. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about how that is and why it was important for you to share that? Sure. You know, at the end of the day, we are sharing information with people. And so when you're doing that, I think having transparency and integrity as like utmost paramount values are pretty crucial to building a trustworthy brand within the information sector. I mentioned Facebook earlier and some social media platforms and not to, you know, continue to knock them or anything, but there's a lot of lack of trust that's come up with some tech companies in the past that have been in charge or have had to hold the, um, uh, you know, the baton of sharing information with the world. And so, you know, maybe it's through some of those learnings that I feel like we're able to, you know, make sure that we're prioritizing certain things first, but transparency of how we make money is, is really key um, because we feel that that can, you know, maintain our integrity as a information brand. Um, but essentially how we make money, there's two ways. The first of which is through affiliate partnerships, which essentially means that we would take a small commission on any sales that occur online from certain recommendations uh, made to our users. We only make these partnerships with brands that score above a B minus or higher for both people and planet impacts in order to retain, you know, incentivizing, um, rewarding brands that are working well or that are operating well and operating responsibly. And then the second thing is that this is all aggregated from third-party data, the scores at least are. Um, so there's no way that we can influence those scores, even though 
It's our own scoring system. It's all coming from third-party data. And so we believe that that also allows us to maintain the objectivity in um, you know, the fact that we can recommend certain brands over others. So with that said, that's how that's the first way we make money is through those affiliate partnerships. And then the second way is a bit further down the road. Um, but the goal and the thinking is that we can leverage our consumer data set. As we as you mentioned, you know, we're gathering data on our users of what they care about, what matters most to them, what their preferences are anonymize and aggregate that data set into market insights dashboard so that way we can license access to those types of tools to brands in order for them to be able to make better strategic decisions on how to operate more responsibly because at the end of the day you know these companies have about a thousand different priorities that they have to weigh and unless the incentives are completely aligned with choosing one priority over another um, you know they won't be able to act upon it. So we hope that these sorts of tools can allow them to align those incentives um, with really seeing the impact of choosing to act in some of these areas. The other thing too, Mary Claire, is what an unbelievable tool for brands and employees. You know, we talk to a lot of you know, I'm out there constantly talking to, you know, product development people working in food and beverage companies or uh, cosmetic companies, and they don't even understand the aggregate impact of their companies. And what an amazing tool to be, to be able to go and objectively see, like you said, A through F, how is my company doing? And then how can I then take individual impacts to affect that? Right. Yes. How amazing is it that we can then be more, not even more conscious consumers, but conscious employees? Yeah, absolutely. I think the coolest thing that I've seen on that front so far to date, um, you know, mentioned this earlier that we obviously have like a target demographic of users who really like to use this tool. Well, that target demographic just so happens to be, you know, millennial women, young professional women, uh, certainly men too. Um, but point is, is that they're in that generation where they are rising into business leadership roles at their own companies. And so I've had a couple folks reach out to me who are individual consumer users of Cluey the tool because they've learned about something about their company through our platform and they wanted to understand how they could leverage more of that information within their business. Um, so we're seeing a whole avenue of opportunities open up there um, where we can start working with brands. And what's great is that it really does show that the opportunity for these individuals who are employees rising into these levels of leadership within their own company have just as much of that desire as the consumer does because they are the consumer. Um, so it's great great to see that, you know, shift and change in attitude as well. This is not just a consumer preference. It's an employee preference. And I really do see it as being a, a shift worldwide in, in so many of the ways that we live our lives. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a curveball here and ask you a tough question. What are some of the products that you've swapped out in your life because of using Cluey? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, well, I have swapped out quite a few personal care products the biggest uh, learnings and reasonings why was because there's a couple of personal care brands that had a lot of bad recalls um, and they're owned by a parent company that's consistently had a lot of bad recalls over the years. Um, and I just really didn't appreciate how uh, that was consistently happening time and time again. And each time there is something a little bit sketchy to the story uh, or a little bit sketchier to the story, at least from my perspective. So swapped out a few of my personal care products. Um, I've been trying the shampoo bars and uh, conditioner bars, which 
look, the thing about sustainable products, some of them are more effective or, or just as effective and some of them aren't. But um, so far, I've been very pleased with the brand that I chose. It's called Atik. I think is it's it's spelled Atik, but it's, I think, pronounced Atik. But it's really cool. It's a B Corp brand. So I really enjoyed leveraging them. I've also swapped to Dr. Bronner's soap and body wash products. Another amazing, impactful brand um, that I learned about through Cluey. Um, so those are a couple areas that I've changed. And, and my husband as well, we've changed our personal care products for, uh, you know, the shower and, and a few other places in our home. There's a few other areas as well, but those those will be some that I would highlight as, as a big area because, of course, we care about what we put in and on our bodies as we all should. So uh, that was important to us. Yeah. I mean, that's something I can relate to at Specrite. You know, when I, I get to talk to big companies and, and they're like, yeah, we don't really manage this data really well. And it's constantly changing across our supply chain. Sometimes things are made incorrectly. And that's why it gives me a lot of personal, you know, I try to buy things that are on Specrite because I know the data is managed well. Yeah. And wouldn't I want the data to be managed well for something I'm consuming, putting on my body and so forth? Um, Absolutely. It works. You know, it, it just makes so sense. Many, it works. That logic works in so many ways. I see that, um, you know, for folks who are familiar with ESG, it stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. And we break out the ES and G uh, inputs when we aggregate them into our scores. But I do believe that governance, which is things like, you know, how are companies... Um, filing taxes, you know, really the boring stuff. How are they how are they handling employee misconduct or high level executive misconduct within their organization? How are they handling product governance? Things like that that might seem like not that big of a deal, but if a company is not like buttoned up in some of those areas, why would we think that they would be buttoned up in areas of like human rights, uh, making sure their supply chain is free of human rights violations or making sure that their products are free of cancer causing ingredients. So I really do think that um, doing the work, so to speak, uh, affects every element of an organization. And when you have one part that's broken, it's kind of like having cancer in the body. It's kind of hard to assume that the rest of everything is working just fine and healthy. So I'm a big fan of seeing as much as possible companies that can really be holistic and operating responsibly. It's not always going to work out that way, but um, but that that's a huge point, like using a, using a tool like Specrite to know that if they're on Specrite, that's probably a pretty good sign. Even though knowing some specifications of your supply chain might seem a little boring, it actually has a big impact. Yeah. And I want to be really clear, you know, the reason this is challenging is because of consumers like us, <laughs> you yeah. know, we want 20 different products and in 20 different flavors. And so right. we've, you know, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, we've created complexity that then creates other challenges. And so I think, again, just the more data and transparency, really data transparency and technology is the only way that we can all make better decisions, like, like I said, as employees, as consumers and, and brands. You know, trends around consumer activism and, and corporate responsibility and accountability are rising. Mm -hmm. What are some of the main drivers that you think will continue to make this important, regardless of the fact that, you know, talks are that we're in, entering into a recession and sometimes corporate priorities change? And what makes these two trends sticky in your mind? Yeah, I will. Um, I'll tell you a story about one of our users, actually, and she was one of our beta users and has kind of been on the Cluey journey since the beginning. And she was somebody who early on, I would say we had kind of categorized as somebody who was, 
you know, going to go with the flow. Like if it seemed like a slightly better, more sustainable pick, she would choose it, but she wasn't necessarily digging super deep at the time um, to find the alternative. It wasn't her biggest priority then. She happens to live in Colorado. Um, She loves the outdoors. And over the past year has had, unfortunately, the experience of her favorite outdoor activities being really affected by uh, extreme climate events. And that has led a fire that she is, you know, on the app constantly looking at all the products, making sure she's really increasing her score for the better, that she's understanding the parent companies behind the products. And to see that shift in one person, that's not, you know, that's not where the story ends. Like we've seen that across countless people at this point um, who have just started their journey. And because of various external events, whether it's climate related events or otherwise, their interest and prioritization for something like this has only increased. So absolutely, people care about cost and convenience. You can't deny that. But there's something to still be said about the fact that people, when the option exists, which my argument is that the option exists more times than not, to find a price comparable and convenience and quality comparable product, that there's still probably an option for choosing something that's a little bit better for people on the planet, People will make those make those decisions. They just have to have the information accessible to them. So we're hoping to solve that problem. And where the alternative exists has to also be accessible to them. So I, um, yeah. yeah, you you touch on cost. I think it's so important. We just um, wrapped up our state of sustainability survey where we survey. Uh, hundreds of people in product packaging, supply chain at consumer good companies, food companies. These are the people making the products. Right. And, you know, I, I don't have the data in front of me, but, but one thing that stood out, these folks are not worried about the cost of sustainable materials. Like that's kind of a fallacy. This idea that you can't be profitable and sustainable. I think right. to your point, five or 10 years ago, brands really felt like, oh, if it's sustainable, it's, it's going to be more expensive. But what we're seeing at SpecRed is when people have data at their fingertips of how things are made, how much it costs at the component level, and they understand what things they can swap out, they can strategically figure out how to better purchase these things, mm-hmm. how to have a broader impact so that it can, the products can remain profitable. You know, companies aren't, you know, they're not out here just to do the right thing, right? They are out there to, to make money for their sure. stakeholders and investors. And I think it's so encouraging that we're seeing more people on the front line say, it doesn't have to be, you know, if it can be both. Right. Um, I don't know if, if you feel similarly. No, I, I definitely do. And I think, you know, there's so many things driving that too, like economies of scale to some extent, as well as the consumer demand for more sustainably made products increases. Um, the ability to set up infrastructure that allows for more sustainably made products is also possible. And of course, with better infrastructure, you know, you can achieve economies of scale to some extent. Uh, a good example is um, toilet paper uh, or paper products, right? So bamboo is a really efficient alternative to virgin uh, paper products, virgin paper products, meaning like made from, you know, cut down trees, freshly cut down trees. So bamboo and recycled paper are both uh, great, op- great options for a swap. Now, of course, there are going to be you know, maybe higher prices in some elements because not every aspect of the infrastructure has been optimized for. But the goal is that if consumers can keep showing in small choices, it really doesn't have to be like totally changing your lifestyle. Just small choices are enough 
for the unit economics to affect bottom lines of large companies enough that it will it will result in a change and it will result in companies investing in the infrastructure to make those decisions more cost effective. If just the metro region of Tampa, Florida were to swap their toilet paper, shampoo, coffee beans and laundry detergent, that amount of money would equate to 5% of the world's largest CPG companies annual revenue. That's a huge opportunity for a very small person of change to have a very large impact. I love it. It's such a good reminder too. you know, I think about how can I be sustainable in my life? And I always focus on like, what are the, what are like the three or four things that I can swap out that aren't a big deal to me? And if we all do that, you know, because again, we're, we don't all have the same values. We don't all have the same situations or, or lifestyles. So if we can each do like the, the few small things that we can manage, our collective impact is just so huge. And I think we forget that. Um, what excites you the most about the intersection of digital and physical products? Well, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. Truthfully, I think that the ability to more effectively put the supply chain on, you know, let's say like the blockchain, that would be pretty incredible because right now, you know, like I said, you couldn't have solutions like Cluey 10 years ago because not all the right information would be available. It wouldn't be online. It wouldn't be digitized. But let's talk about areas that still create problems or that are still difficult for brands to make a difference. Um, we did, uh, we kind of amplified some research from a research organization called Stand. Earth, and they had talked about how there are a few uh, sub suppliers who happen to source their leather materials from. Uh, Brazil. And Brazil leather companies just so happen to be big contributors to deforestation in the Amazon. Well, you go up the supply chain a couple steps and you end up at like a hundred major fashion brands that almost everyone buys from, you know, everything from the athleisure brands to like even some socially responsible seemingly brands to the fast fashion brands and the luxury brands. Um, The thing though, is that it's really hard sometimes for these brands to know every element about their supply supply chain as far back to not just who their suppliers are, but who their suppliers' suppliers are and who their suppliers' suppliers' suppliers are. So I think the ability for that information to become digitized and more accessible is really where we're going to see a lot of positive change uh, in this space. So that's an area that I'm particularly excited about. Well, we're excited to, you know, potentially partner with you guys in the future. Our founder, Matthew, always says it's going to take a village of us to figure this out. Like, Absolutely. you know, we've we we it's, we've spent hundreds of years creating this problem for ourselves. It's going to take us a lot of smart people and companies to, to be on the path to fixing it. Um, and it's funny, what you mentioned is, is essentially our thesis for SpecRight Network, which allows brands to share data with one another and to have that supplier-supplier view of of data. So that's something we're really excited about. So now we're going to close out with my uh, favorite segment, which is rapid fire. Oh, wow. So what is your favorite product right now? I know you mentioned a few before. Um, My favorite product right now is actually a site. It's called Uncommon Goods. Um, And I have recently started using them as an alternative for gift giving, like as an alternative to Amazon. Um, So leverage them for my Father's Day gifts, as well as for a couple of like baby showers and upcoming birthdays, um, but they source amazing independently made goods, um, very high people impact, very high planet impact on Cluey. So that's currently my favorite site. They just have so many cool little knickknacks. 
Oh, I love that. I have I literally have a birthday party coming up next weekend. So I'm gonna have to check that out. There you um, go. What product or packaging trend are you most or least excited about right now? Hmm. Product or packaging trend. I would say I'm excited to see, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with, um, with the bottle to bottle recycling, like as it relates to certain plastics. Um, in some cases, plastics can actually be a lower carbon emission than let's say other forms of packaging. And so I think improving the innovation in plastic recycling and leveraging that for other types of plastic packaging could um, potentially be a game changer. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily encouraging everybody to start cheering on plastics, um, but I am excited to see where that, where that goes. Yeah. Jay Singh literally just talked about this on the last episode. He's in packaging and he's like, plastic isn't all that bad. Um, but there's yeah. so much, to your point, it's, it's hard for us as consumers to really keep track of all this stuff, right? It's much easier for us to high level understand. Um, all right. So last, this is a little bit of a game. I love this. It's called kill, keep or change. Um, we're going to pull three random products and you have to decide what product you would kill, AKA discontinue what you would keep as is and what you would want to change to. Improve okay. it. So your options are chairs with wheels, deodorant, chocolate, peanut butter, protein powder. Okay. Kill, keep change. Okay. So chairs with wheels, I definitely think they have a purpose, but I definitely think they need to be changed because I have, I'm in a chair with wheels right now and it always like runs over my carpet and messes things up. So that would be something I would change. Um, deodorant. I think we need to keep it just to keep everyone happy. (laughs) And then, uh, chocolate peanut butter power powder would have to be killed, uh, as a result of being the odd man out, um, of, of the group of three, but I do use chocolate peanut butter protein powder all the time in my smoothies. So, uh, so I feel bad to have to, to kill it, but it just lost in that one. Listen, it's, it's a tough choice. The deodorant, there's actually been a ton of product innovation around deodorant with the been. removing, which is interesting. Um, there has been. Interestingly enough, by the way, um, product innovation and deodorant was like a big reason why we were able to, I mean, not just product innovation and just deodorant, but back in the like nineties when concerns about the hole in the ozone or destruction of the upper atmosphere was a big thing. A lot of it was because of an aerosol based chemical and a lot of uh, spray can products, including spray deodorants. And it was actually because of consumer concern over the ozone layer at the time that companies mostly reformulated uh, those products to remove those harmful chemicals. And we've actually made a lot of progress in uh, reconstructing the upper atmosphere or reducing that harm that we were so concerned about in the 90s. So just shows that consumer demand can actually enact change and deodorant well, is a little I, part of that story. I love that. You know, it's so good to have a feel good note about this stuff yeah. too. Oftentimes we only hear the negative. Um, so what a, what a great way to end. Mary Claire, thanks so much for joining us. How can people follow you and connect with Chloe? Yeah, um, we are on all the social media platforms. I'm really starting to, you know, try and get better at things like TikTok and newer social media platforms that I haven't been on as much in the past. So we're on all of them. Our handle is at Cluey Consumer. You can also go straight to our site and learn more at clueyconsumer.com. Feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active personally and would love to start a conversation with anyone who's interested. I love it. And yeah, clueyconsumer.com. It literally took me three to five minutes to create my profile and start getting my environmental impact. So 
Thank you so much. And for those listening, if you liked this episode, be sure to rate us and review us. It helps other folks find the podcast. Mary Claire, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for all the work that you're doing. We really thank appreciate you, it. Laura. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for amplifying such awesome businesses through your podcast. Thanks. Take care. Beyond the Shelf is presented by Specrite, the first cloud-based platform for specification management. Say goodbye to spreadsheets, share drives, and legacy systems, and digitize your specs in a secure single source of truth. With Specrite, you can easily share and collaborate on specs with other departments and across your entire supply chain network. Taking a spec-first approach enables you to accelerate product and packaging development, go to bid faster, report on sustainability, and ultimately spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. To learn more, visit specright.com. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com.